So tonight we want to continue on our series on Daniel as we talk about game one. For those who haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we have looked at life of Daniel and let's just start off by saying we've been talking about Daniel. Daniel was taken into captivity by the Babylonian army. And even though he was a slave, Daniel grew up to a lot of power and influence under the king's empire. Nebuchadnezzar. Then the Babylonian Empire was overthrown by the Persian Empire, and Daniel grew to have a lot of power and understanding that the king whose name was King Darius II. He was put in a den, eaten by lions, but the lions didn't eat him, so it was safe to say that Daniel had a crazy life. When we think of, the, when we think of Daniel, we see a man that no matter what, he took a stand for Christ. No matter what it cost him, whether it's to cost him his life, whether it's to cost him friends, whatever it was, it didn't matter to him. He was a very upright man. Based on what we've learned about Daniel so far, it appears that he had his act together. He was faithful, knew scripture, prayed, and things worked out for him. Daniel was an upright man his entire life, seemed to be ringing endorsement for following God. If we could look at a person and say, this is an advertisement, <laughs> Can you guys be a little more mature? Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, if we were to look, if we were to look and have an advertisement of what it looked like to follow God, we could look at Daniel. Because Daniel, like I said, it did not matter to him what it cost him. You know, like we looked at last week, a story that we are familiar with, a, a thrown in lion's den. How many of us would want to do that? But tonight we're going to look at Daniel and look at how he worshipped. How he prayed. And this is the main point tonight. Worship is not doing things for God, but walking with God. You see, too many times when we think worship is, we think worship is Sunday morning, Friday night, Wednesday, wherever it is we come to church. That's what we think worship is. But worship is every day of our lives, we are to worship God no matter what. No matter what happens in life, we are to worship. And that's why this is so important that it's not about doing things for God. Yes, we do sing. Because a lot of times I think sometimes we think that worship is just about singing songs. But worship is our whole lifestyle. Worship is what we are about. Worship should be everything that we stand for. You see, whether tonight you believe it or not, we all in here worship something. We either worship God or we worship something else. You know, so many times in our lives, we don't have idols per se. We don't have a golden statue. We don't have the things that we think of, you know, when we think of an idol, we think of a golden statue or think of something that's huge. But we have a lot of idols in our lives. We have our cell phones. We have our televisions. We have our computers. And the question for each one of us, and you may not even think of this, is this. How am I worshiping God with these electronics? How am I worshiping God with these things? Because in everything that we do, we are to worship God. So if you have your Bible tonight, we can turn to Daniel chapter 9. And I want you to just think of Daniel's story for a second. We all know it. We all have seen it over the past couple weeks. And let me ask you one question. Did Daniel do anything wrong? 
<clears throat> no, right? He was an upright man. He did nothing wrong. But yet, I want you to just look at this and, and understand Daniel's prayer. As he's praying to God. Let me let you also know something about the book of Daniel. Daniel is a book of prophecy. You see, we don't really look into it that much because we only talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel lines them. But Daniel is a book full of prophecy. And here it is that the, the, the people have had so much problem. This is what Daniel said in Daniel chapter 9, 1-7. He said, In the first year of Darius, the son of Asiris, by descent, Amid, who was making over the realm of the Chaldeans, or Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of number the years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. And you will, if you want to really get into prophecy, it's a lot of this about 70 years. And we're not going to go into that tonight, but I want us to really look at Daniel's prayer here. Because we need to recognize what Daniel is saying. Daniel groups himself with all these people. Even though Daniel did nothing wrong at all, he groups himself with all these people. Then I turn my face to the Lord, God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those he loves and keeps his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled. Turn aside your commandments and rules. We have listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame at this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of you, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have commanded against you. Now let me ask you a question. We already answered this. Daniel did nothing wrong, right? In all of this. But did Daniel pray this way? Did Daniel say, Lord, I pray for those sinners over there. They have done all these things wrong to you. They have done all this. And because of all what they have done, we have all these problems. No. What did he do? He said what? He used a word that started W there. He said what? We. We have done it. We have all sinned against you. Well, again, Daniel could have easily been mad and said, not me. I mean, I stood up and done all these things, these great things. Definitely not me. No. He said, we. It brings back to another story in the New Testament that we can think of as the man was praying. And the man came, the rich man came, and he prayed, and he said, Lord, I am thankful I am not like that, the, 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 was the beggar. I'm not like the blind man. Is that my correct, Drew? Oh, remember the, 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 the beggar? The blind man, right? All right, let's turn up all cell phones now, please. All right. I think, yeah, it was the beggar. It was a beggar. A blind man, sorry. The blind man who was also, I think, begging. But he said this, Lord, I am thankful that I am not like him. You see, Daniel's prayer was completely different. Daniel said, we have a problem. We have all sinned. We have done all these things. He continues on and says this, To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. 
to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To our Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking his laws, which he set before us by his servants. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us, because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his word, which he spoke against us, and against our rulers, who ruled us by bringing upon a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all the calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept us kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, we have made a name for yourself, as this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Like I said, Daniel here continues on, just saying, we have sinned, we have done all these things, we are, we, you see, too many times what we and you like to do in our Christian life is this. We like to compare ourselves to one another. We like to look at someone and say, you know what, I'm better than that person. But let me tell you something. No other person is the standard for our worship. There's only one standard that each one in this room should have, and that's God himself. Because I can look at someone else and say, yeah, you know what, I'm a better person than him. I know I'm a better Christian than him. You know, I go to church more than him. I don't cuss like him. I don't do all these things like him. I better than him. So I know I, I'm a good Christian person. You see, that's a lot of our problems. A lot of our problems come because me and you want to compare to somebody else. We want to compare ourselves with another person instead of looking at the standard, what is God? We understand that we could never in our whole lives ever reach that standard of God. No matter what we do, we can come to church every single time the door's open, and guess what? That does not matter if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let me just say this as a side note, because I don't want no one to say, Nicholas said you ain't going to come to church. I ain't saying that. But guess what? Going to church never got anybody saved. It was because they got a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you, have, that's why you got saved. That's how you got saved, because of the relationship with Christ. Not because of what you've done in church. He goes on in verse 16 and 19, and I'm going to close it, and I think you might have to go a couple slides, um, David. It says this, O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of for our sins, and for iniquities of our father, Jerusalem, and your people, we have become a byword among all who are around us. Now therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. My God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city that which is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear our Lord. Forgive, O Lord. Pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh my God, because your city and your people call by your name. You see, David had a heart. David had a heart because Daniel. Daniel. Yes, I hear. 
Daniel had a heart here because Daniel again is praying for the whole nation, praying that they would come to know Christ, praying because, like I said, he did nothing wrong. He could have been very selfish and point the finger at these people and say, you know what, God, I'm nothing like them. But no, he understood that, you know, worship is from his heart. Worship is about all that he does. Worship, even though in times when, when things around us are falling apart, we must still worship. He was still in the attitude of praying to God and worshiping God. What we see in Daniel's prayer is this, that his willingness was to humble himself. He wanted to humble himself. You see, the problem with me and you a lot of times is that we are so prideful that we don't even want to humble ourselves and say that we may have done something wrong. You ever met somebody in life that they never do anything wrong? That they never wrong? Anyone ever met them? anyone like that? When you're in an argument with them, they always write? I mean, my wife would probably raise her hand and say, that's me, but, you know. She didn't raise her hand, see? I call, I call them games, man. <laughs> But you met someone who said they're always right. They always know what to say. They always think that they're right, even though they might be wrong. But here it is. Here it is. Again, he humbled himself. Secondly, it says we approach God, we show up at church, or we think about worship, and we focus on what we've done for God. You see, worship is not what we have done for God. Worship is what we, in a, in, a, in a sense, are doing for God. Not because of we sing or in the drama team, but it's our hearts of worship. It's pure motives. Let me tell you something. You could have someone who could sing in the choir for 50 years and be apart from God. You could be someone who has been in ministry for how many years, but be far from God because they don't have a genuine relationship because too many times we think that it's what we always do. We think we earn this gift of salvation. Because you know what? I sing in Livingstone. I am on the drama team. I do this thing. I do that thing. I've been to one my whole life. I've been to Sunday school. I've done everything. But that's our problem. It's not what we have done, but it's what God has done for us. You see, God is the reason we worship. When we understand where we were once were, when we understand where God has taken us from the beginning of time, when Adam and Eve sinned and now that God was gracious enough to send his son to die for us so that he could redeem us, the only, the only attitude we should have is to worship. Our only response should be to worship. You see, Daniel gets honest. In fact, his honesty about his shortcomings is a part of his worship. You see, we may not look at this and think to ourselves, well, he's really worshiping, but he is. He is truly worshiping God even though he has shortcomings. Even though that he has We've never seen in, the, in what we looked at any problems that he has done. But he puts himself in this group. He understands that, you know what, I have sinned too. I'm not perfect. And that's our problem again. That's why we can't compare ourselves to other people. And this thing, worship is not about living as though we have something to prove to God, but instead investing in a relationship with God. You see, worship is not about living as though we have something for God. We don't have nothing to prove to God, you know. There's no one in this room that has anything to prove to God. Because guess what? God can see right through any of us. He knows He can see right through us. It doesn't matter. God knows if your motives are right. God knows if your motives are wrong. 
God knows that we're just doing so to get praise from people. You see, worship is about our hearts. Worship is our lifestyle. Worship is so much more than what sometimes we make it. It's not just singing. It's not about just coming to church. So how do we apply this tonight? You see, we worship God with our lives and we bring our successes and our failures to Him. You see, too many times we want to just thank God when we have a good grade or we don't thank God for the successes. But let's not forget the times of failure. Let's not forget the times when, when God has brought us low so that we could depend on Him. You see, I think too many times we think that when, when we're going through tough times, that must be we did something wrong. But let me just tell you something. God has a plan for all our successes and all our failures. Nothing is by mistake with God. We sang about it in that song. He is sovereign. He is in control. Everything is for a purpose. When we strive to know Him and not just to win approval by Him. You see, we don't want to just get approval by God. We don't want to get approval from Him. Guess what? Again, we can't fool God. So how do we do this? Don't make knowing God a checklist. Well, I've done this. I've done my quiet time today, God. I've, done, I've been to church. I've been to youth group. I've done my duties for the week. Now I can live my life the way I want. I can watch whatever I want on TV. I can watch whatever I want on the computer because I've done my godly duties. I spent my five minutes in your word this morning, God, so now I can do whatever I want. The rest of the day is mine. No. You see, that's, I think that's sometimes our problem. We want to say, God, this is your time. But everything should be God's time. Be authentic. Be real. Don't be a fake. Don't be a fake Christian. Don't be a person who, you know, you're a Christian here and then I ask your friends and I'm going to not going to use the stale joke from last week. You know the stale joke was, right? <laughs> Which one? Anyway, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there, but be real. Don't be a fake. Because let me tell you something. People see a fake. People can see a fake really fast. Go towards God when you get it wrong. Realize that there are going to be stops and starts as you move towards knowing God. Let me tell you something. The Christian life is not an easy life. Whoever told you that, it, that the Christian life is an easy life, they lied to you. You have struggles. Just because you know God don't mean you have a ton of money. I can attest to that. But you know what? We have something more than that. We have a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's more precious than silver or gold. And you know what? He will always last. He will never, you'll never get tired of it. We get tired of all the other idols that we have in life. Our computers, our phones, everything else. We want something new. But guess what? You can't say it about God because He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God. The same God that performed miracles is the same God that we have today, that we worship today. So I challenge you tonight. 
how, what is worship to you? Is your worship like Daniel, authentic? Worship even in times of struggles, even in times of failure, in times of distress? Or do you only want to worship God in the good times? You see, we ought to worship God in the good times and the bad times. Because you know why? We, have, we should be thankful for what He's done for us. We should be thankful that He sent His Son to die so that we could have a relationship. And He didn't stay dead. He's alive and well today. And that's why we worship a risen King. So I challenge you to go into small groups to really understand this concept of worship. And you're going to look at that in after your small groups, then you'll have some food. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the night. We thank you again for your word. Thank you for the life of Daniel. Thank you for just the example he is to us that we could look at his life and Father, know that he was a man that was upright, a man that worshipped you in the good times and the bad times. Father, I pray that we would be more like him, that we would strive to be more like you. Because, Father, you are our standard. We could look at people like Daniel and, and see how faithful he was. But, Father, you are the standard that we need to reach. I just thank you for all that you've done. I pray that you continue to be with us. Pray that as we go smuggled, that you would just open up our hearts and let us say the things that you want us to say. In Jesus' name, amen.